Well, that fucking blew. Fucking all 11 of these pieces of shit. But, at least, at least got a fucking Sean off my back. Now we're gonna do all 11 episodes of this fucking garbage franchise. We aren't doing the Fast and Furious movies. I've recorded this episode without you. I'm doing a motorbike movie instead. Yours sincerely, Sean. You, you son of a bitch. I'm gonna get you, Campion. Walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say. violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to escape. Take a look around! Dodge this. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. That's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Welcome to Take a Look Around. My name is Shawnee Campion, and suspiciously absent today is B-Man Alistair Bates. We wish you well, Batesy. We hope you get better soon. Joined at my side is executive producer Phoebe Sheehy. Phoebe Paradise herself. How are you, Phoebe? What's up, Shawnee? Thank you so much for having me back. It's an absolute pleasure. As always, Phoebe, you're always welcome here. Now, Phoebe... Mm. We had grand intentions for this episode of doing a insightful juxtaposition of two films, but we've narrowed it down to one, haven't we? We have, and one is all that we needed, I feel. Because this film is, it feels all-encompassing. At a whopping 74 minutes, I still feel like I've witnessed the birth and death and life of the universe itself. 100%. This is like the famous image of the evolution of man from fish to monkey to human, uh, but in the the birth and death of new metal. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking, of course, about 2004's film Talk, directed by Joseph Kahn and produced by new metal stalwart Neil H. Moritz. Let's play the trailer. At 200 miles an hour, there's little time to think, less time to choose, and no time to stop. Good to have you back. <laughs> Seems your buddy Junior turned up dead. Feds think you did it. Reapers think you did it. Hell, everybody thinks you did it. Not to smash you right now. Innocent men don't run. You got balls even coming here, you know that? I took off so you wouldn't get dragged into it. Must be frustrating. Now, the only way to clear his name. You got a plan, right? But everywhere you go, everything turns to hell. Is to take them all for a ride. Change the you ain't gonna like how this ends. From the producer of the Fast and the Furious, SWAT, and Triple X. 
shouldn't pick on girls. Want some of this, bitch? Oh, I thought you never asked. I love a girl who can take care of herself. Wouldn't be any fun if it was easy, right? Does it have to be this much fun? Just cross the line. Burn it. Okay, so a bit of backstory on Talk itself as a film. I initially went into this thinking that this was just a plain ripoff of Fast and the Furious, and that's why I was so interested in comparing this along with 2000, uh, 2002's Biker Boys. But this is actually produced and uh, co-written by Neil H. Moritz, who uh, was the producer of Fast and the Furious, Triple X, and, and the like. And about every single film clip you've ever seen as a kid watching yeah. Rage. <laughs> oh, for sure. Joseph Kahn, this is his first um, film. He was he is an absolute mammoth in the film, uh, film clip industry. He's done film clips for Korn, for the Backstreet Boys, yeah. for Taylor Swift, Britney Spears. Yeah, he's a pretty big deal. And I agree, like, from the outset... And I think it was like a joke that kind of didn't really land in that everyone I know who has seen this movie or heard of this movie, their knee-jerk reaction is, oh, this is like diet Fast and the Furious. This is Fast and the Furious with motorcycles. Yeah, but hey, I think it is so much more than that. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Let's, Let's get stuck into it. So the film itself opens up with two cars side by side. Very familiar scene for those that tuned into last week's Fast and the Furious. (laughs) We get two Nissan Skylines ready for a street race. But, oh, what's that behind them, Phoebe? (laughs) Why, it's a motorcycle. And it's faster than all of them and more furious to boot, no less. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Player three enters the game, a motorcycle that takes over the street race uh, that absolutely leaves the cars in their tracks (laughs) fast and furious um, and also has its own NOS button as well. It feels like a welcome, warm hug from a friend seeing the NOS button return. The celebrity cameo, the first of several in this film. (laughs) So if that wasn't enough for you, the cars themselves and the motorcycle whip past the sign which spins on its axis like a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon (laughs) only to reveal that the sign says cars suck. So, you know, I I feel like... It's like your grandpappy's movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's got edge. Kitty can scratch. Yeah, wait. Cars are actually like super weak, bro. It's all about bikes now, haven't you heard? (laughs) (laughs) We're not talking about Lego, man. This is Bionicle land. <laughs> Bionicle is definitely new metal Lego, isn't oh, it? Oh, fuck yeah. You need its own episode, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so we are introduced to our main character, Martin Henderson, uh, who, I, I mean, this guy is leading the film, but I've never seen him before in my life. You'll recognize him from this movie and dying in the American Ring movie and... Absolutely nothing 
Apparently he had a bit of a run on Grey's Anatomy as well, but your guess is as good as mine. He is New Zealand, uh, I want to say he's Kiwi. He's he not Kiwi. very good. Absolutely not. He falls victim to the um, disease that Australian and Kiwi actors and British actors have when they go in American movies and they're like, I'm talking with a generic American accent the whole time. And Bobson they just. Bobson and Dugnut. Let's play some bass. <laughs> yeah and so like you know even if they're doing a pretty okay job they still just like fall into the shadows with their castmates so what's his name martin henderson plays uh i want to say ford ford his name is ford yeah uh and he is effectively uh has just returned to his hometown of california <laughs> after six months in thailand after leaving uh, everyone behind after a, a drug bust gone wrong. He reveals to his uh, his ex-girlfriend, Shane, a car mechanic. Oh, sorry, bike mechanic. I think we've already established <laughs> that cars suck. <laughs> <laughs> that he was set up by Henry James, who is another welcome cameo. It's Vince from Fast and the Furious. Yeah. With what is probably the worst haircut this side of Roland Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really try to like instantly carve this character out. Like the moment he walked on screen, Sean and I were both like, penalty haircut, <laughs> AFL haircut, this guy's incredible. <laughs> if you're because podcasting is strictly an audio medium i want you to conjure up the idea of if you left dustin martin in pool chlorine for too long and you're halfway to this haircut 100 percent. it looks like he did it himself <laughs> <laughs> like they ran out of um hair budget for this movie probably because they spent it all on jamie presley's wig oh my god jamie presley god i can't wait to talk about her character in this. right now how about it all right jamie presley i think is like one of the most incredible actresses of the last 20 years and like interesting so funny <laughs> she's so funny and she's so hot and so cool like in not another teen movie i think is like one of the best comedic performances i've ever seen i think she's so fantastic and like i i kind of wish that she got to do like more dramatic roles, but then I see... You want The Hours starring Jamie Presley and no, Nicole Kidman. I want to see her like Tank Girl starring Jamie Presley or okay. like she should have been fucking Harlequin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, I don't know, she, like, she would have been perfect to kind of go down like the superhero circuit like back in the day. I think oh, that would have yeah, been sure. like really cool. It feels like a missed opportunity, especially since her career would sputter and stall after this. And um, she would next turn up in My Name is Earl alongside Rashid Earl, who's also in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can basically pick like a washed up actor's name out of a hat and they'll be in this movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, so Jamie Presley's character in this movie is like, I feel like there was a period of uh, time where in this kind of film, there always had to be like one bad guy that was a woman who was just kind of like fucking creepy that was yep. always just like nonstop licking their lips the and kind of lady. like, yeah, the lizard, exactly. You need like the lizard lady archetype who's like- Think Mystique in X-Men. Mystique. A literal lizard lady. Yeah, that's always like, <laughs> get out of the way, bitch. 
Yeah, we don't have enough lizard ladies anymore. No, they've been really like butted out of the zeitgeist, huh? <laughs> yeah, I blame society. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Ford reveals to Shane that he's been set up by Henry James. The uh, He was sent by Henry to fix some bikes of his, but when he got uh, to the workshop, those bikes were filled with crystal meth. So he ran to Thailand, or as everyone seems to call it, everywhere else but Thailand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't some- know. Very, like, bizarre racism about Thailand in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of quotes that we're not going to repeat. Maybe Sean can drop some cli- qui- qui- clips in there. Uh, if, you, you know what I'm talking about. If, if Al was on the podcast, he'd be saying him left, right and so. I know, we'd have to be editing him out. God, I can hear him from Sydney right now. <laughs> also, may I just say, crystal meth, the most new metal drug that there is. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's literally Static X as a drug. <laughs> <laughs> so call. along for the ride we've also got uh ice cube who plays the leader of a black motorcycle gang called the reapers which it's extremely funny that his gang is not in any way threatening it's one of the guys from uh proto new metal rap group onyx Uh, the boyfriend from My Name is Earl and Faison Love from Friday. They're the least threatening motorcycle gang I have ever it, seen. It's incredible. Their whole gang is like so incredibly sanitized as well. Like the whole movie Ice Cube is spent being like, hey man, we just like motorcycles. We're not going to be selling drugs on our streets or like, oh my God, can you stop trying to kill everyone? <laughs> We're just trying to ride motorcycles here, guys. <laughs> So now that Ford's back in town, Henry James decides it's time to set him up by killing the guy from Onyx and blaming it on Ford. Ford and his gang are forced to go on the run along for the ride. It's got Shane, his two best buddies, and Christiana Miliano? Chris, yeah, Christina Miliano, who I'm uh, assuming had an album out the same week as Talk came out. There's absolutely... No reason why she should be in this. And not only that, she turns up and then turns to, and then in a diner scene turns to everyone and says, "Oh, it's about time I got some paint and body work done." And then disappears for the rest of the movie. Evaporates, goes back to her home planet. <laughs> like her character just like disappears off the face of the earth. I don't know. Extremely bizarre. So basically, the film from here on out becomes kind of a bit of a riff on The Warriors, where the uh, motorcycle gangs are all converging on Ford and his gang in this cross-country trip to Los Angeles instead of the Bronx. Uh, But we're also being tracked down by the law enforcement uh, who- <laughs> <laughs> oh god Phoebe who plays law enforcement in this film um like the most bored looking Adam Scott you've ever seen in your life that's right party downs Adam Scott plays an FBI agent in this in what is one of the most miscast roles I can think of he looks oh. about 19 years old here he's so young they've kind of dressed him up 
And I can only imagine like in the producer's room when they're all discussing the film and they're kind of like, you know, around the, the boardroom table and they're like, okay, so we've got like the really tough guys. We've got like the motorcycle gangs. We've got like the rockers. We've got like Christina Milano. Got to make sure she's in this movie. Yeah. But we need some, like, like a really like obvious bad guy. You know we what we need? We need a Seth Cohen. We need a Seth Cohen. We need a hipster. We need like an indie emo, like early emo guy with like a, a carabiner on his jeans. He's wearing <laughs> Converse All-Stars and a pinstripe jacket. Spiked up hair. He looks absolute. He looks like he was in Faker. Like. <laughs> 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 yeah, 100%. And it's speaking of Party Down, I remember his character like was haunted by like the worst yes. cameo he's ever done. Mm. And talk feels like something that Adam Scott would talk about at parties. He'd talk about it. Uh, can he walk the walk or can he talk the talk? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like the most embarrassed looking kind of performance. He's like, I'm just doing this to get a new pool. Like there's no reason for this. There's moments as well where you can see him ad lib a line at one point and then visibly cringe at the fact that he's even trying to oh, be in this movie. It's almost like... A, like almost breaking the fourth wall with the kinds of humor he's like turns directly to the camera and he's like what are these nutheads up to kind of thing are we having fun yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly now i guess this is as good a time as any since we've gone deep on adam scott's wardrobe (laughs) but let's talk about the wardrobe in this film and basically the wardrobe of the year 2004 because we talk a lot about um, new metal on this podcast being a new metal film podcast, but really this film is not cut from the same cloth as the Chain Wallets and Osiris Skate Shoes as some of the other films. This is the very nascent beginnings of the boot cut jean era. Oh, yeah. We're talking for a film that closes out on Someday by Nickelback. This is a perfect time. <laughs> Uh, for that kind of era, that leather bracelet, Rolling Stone magazine, new Americana post-grunge sound that dominated the airwaves after new metal. To And that, that style of outfit, we're talking like, Phoebe, help me out here. Ed Hardy. Train driver caps. Oh, trucker, trucker caps. Like if Fast and the Furious is new metal rap rock then talk is rock rap you know yeah, what i mean we get a kid rock <laughs> song in this absolutely yeah it's like what's the um the word for bandanas, it bandanas boot cut jeans leather braces butt rock this butt is a rock. butt rock movie yes. right so it's like you know all of the guys are wearing ramones t-shirts but Metallica singlets. Metallica singlets, but they're all like super tight and it's still very Californian and still very like uh, r- like referencing hip hop like fashion and stuff, but it's very much leaning just straight back into like white guy bootcut jean territory. Oh, absolutely. It- we not only do we get uh, people wearing West Coast Choppers t shirts, but we get West Coast Choppers and Monsters Garage. Hall of Famer Jesse James, the man <laughs> that cheated on Sandra Bullock. <laughs> 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 I hate you, Jesse James. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like Jesse James is one of like a cast of like a hundred random cameos in this movie as well. It's very strange. And like, you know, he's kind of like a perfect oh, Dane Cook is a oh, great yeah, example Dane of that. Cook Dane Cook well. turns up as like a he was doofy really, villain. He was really the like comedian du jour of this era, wasn't he? This oh, yeah. like this kind of Tucker Max, new American kind of... He was an men, it guy. Yeah, men rediscovering being men kind of thing. Yeah, he's like, I'm talking about pooping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What was that That hand sick? His, like, signature Oh, the rock ring? off. The shocker. And he did rock on and rock off. Oh. I hate that I know this. <laughs> oh, fucking embarrassing. We're cutting this out. <laughs> I don't know who... What's a Dane Cook? (laughs) Baby, what's your favourite Dane Cook movie? (laughs) Um, Probably Talk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. This is, though, like, fashion-wise, I do believe that Talk feels like the sunset of the new metal era. Mm -hmm. Like, just the... If, if like, Fast and the Furious, again, like, you have to compare these movies, right? Because they are literally, like, night and day. um, But... You know, kind of referencing Mountain Dew and Pepsi. If we're going to reference something that happens yes, later in the exactly. film, yes, <laughs> exactly. Bike versus car. Um, but yeah, like this is definitely like the dog versus cat. <laughs> 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 this is like the redneck version of Fast and the Furious, effectively. One hundred percent. So uh, to move along a little bit, um, we do get. Uh, a- an amazing scene where the the gang's hit hiding out and Ford turns to his buddies and says, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. (laughs) To which his girlfriend Shane responds with, that's just about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And Joseph Kahn has gone on record. We'll talk more about this in production, Mm. but he sought out to make a piss take of the Fast and the Furious. And it kind of, uh, he kind of gets maybe 70% of the way there, probably. Yeah. So uh, basically the gang makes their way back to Los Angeles where um, Ford reveals to Ice Cube that he... He didn't, uh, uh, what's the word? He didn't um, murder. Act, murder his uh, gang member. He was set up by Henry James. And Ice Cube is phoning it in for someone who's supposed to be second lead in this film. He's really like, there's no, like, I, I don't mind Ice Cube as an actor. And I think that he is, abs- this is probably his worst film role. Worse, even more so than his absolutely dreadful turn in Ghost of Mars. Oh yeah, yeah. I I remember that episode that you guys did. That was fucking hilarious. I I think he like yeah, I don't know. It 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 wasn't a very stunning performance and I do like Ice Cube in movies too. I think he's like it it makes sense that he went on to be doing comedy. Yeah. Like Jump Street and you know all those other movies are we there yeah are we there did yet? you hear phoebe about his recent run-in with the news media because he turned down and is now in breach of a nine million dollar contract <laughs> for an are we there yet spin-off called oh hell nah oh. because he refused to get vaccinated oh my god him and fucking like 90 percent of like hollywood right yeah. can you tell me your um uh, conspiracy theory about Chris Pratt again? Oh yeah, so listener, if you are listening to this, you're probably aware that Chris Pratt 
has been cast as Mario and since then has also been cast in a Garfield uh, movie that's coming out. But consider this, listener. Why is Chris Pratt taking on one of the biggest actors in the world? Why is he taking on nothing but voice actor roles? Consider this. He's a weird Christian nut job that refuses to get vaccinated. Think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it. He's nuts. Yeah, for sure. And Ice Cube is nuts as well. We didn't do Triple X State of the Union, despite it being a new metal movie, because he couldn't shut the fuck up and was saying some weird shit. Crazy, crazy <laughs> shit on the internet. People should, like have too much money and it just rots your brain after a certain time. I remember going on his Instagram and seeing him posting uh, about uh, the heads on Easter Island. Oh. And I was like, come on, man. Oh, Jesus. Posting like deep fried facebook memes about like the bodies underneath the easter island heads yeah, or whatever just like, like fuck the police and show me obama's birth certificate <laughs> 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 oh fucking hell yeah this like the cat the cast of this movie were like very much all industry plants which would bother me if the the rest of the movie wasn't so entertaining. Oh, this is far and away so entertaining. It's 74 minutes and all of that is people backflipping on motorcycles. This movie is a hoot. Totally. I think like five minutes into the movie, I was just like prodding Sean the whole time, just being like, man, don't you miss like how movies actually looked intentional at some point? Oh, for sure. Joseph Kahn comes from a, a music video background and this film is beautiful to look at the shots are gorgeous like really really gorgeous colors incredible framing the costumes are great the sets are great like and maybe i'm just feeling a little jaded from like the incredibly like desaturated like washed out unwatchable shit that comes from like marvel and even like netflix netflix and stuff but i was looking at this and i'm like yeah this looks like a cartoon but like a fucking beautiful one it too. looks like an episode of power rangers and yeah. at one point they fucking call them power rangers yeah and right. joseph khan uh, if you i i'm sure i can't be the only one listening to this that um can that remembers joseph khan's viral video from the mid 2010s where he made a gritty reboot of power rangers starring james <laughs> vanderbeek from dawson's creek i thought you were joking when he told me no about that. that exists <laughs> it was fantastic it's got starbuck from battlestar galactica in it oh my god it's fantastic that's so funny <laughs> So uh, the film kind of wraps up from here. Um, Ford makes a a deal with FBI agent Adam Scott (laughs) (laughs) that he's going to turn in Henry James. But shock twist, it's revealed that the FBI has been working with the evil bikers this whole time and they're in on it to sell the crystal meth. How much money do public servants make in America? I don't know, but it's one of my favorite movie tropes that police always drive around in like $300,000 Humvees and SUVs and stuff. Yeah, but like <laughs> in real life, like I, I, you read stuff about like 
cops having to work like overtime as bouncers and security guards. Teachers need to get second jobs in America. Yeah, I assume that everyone in the US makes like the minimum wage of like $2 an hour or whatever the fuck it is. Policemen live on tips. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But man, I mean, like when it comes to like the budget and like all of those... uh, car chase scenes with um adam scott's character and stuff i've got to say like one of the most enjoyable parts of this movie was the stunts like they look amazing don't they they really do like apart from the end um sequence that we'll talk about later but like the actual motorcycle stunts were practical um like phenomenal looking there's some really like cool art direction in some of those scenes and it actually like Again, I feel like so many like end fights, quote unquote, whereas there's like people shooting like colored beams at each other. Fighting Um, some big light in the sky. Exactly. Like (laughs) there's no weight to it. You don't give a shit about what happens at the end. But this whole time it did actually feel like these motorcycles would crush your head if they fell on you. Oh, for sure. There's this amazing fight scene at the end between Jamie Presley and... uh, the and Shane the um, girlfriend, the yeah, girlfriend yeah. character where they are literally flanked by a Mountain Dew and Pepsi billboards behind Incredible. them. Incredible. Although did you notice I think we talked about this that <laughs> Jamie Presley's dressed as a Coke can and Shane is dressed as a as a Pepsi can uh-huh. and you can tell that at one point they were trying to do a weird Coke versus Pepsi riff. This movie is a cartoon. You know it's what so it feels dorky. like? It actually feels like when you break it down, it's like Joseph Kahn's created a showreel. Yes. He's like, I can do Pepsi commercials. I can do Budweiser car chase commercials. scenes. Budweiser in this movie Fast and the Furious is Corona. Talk is Budweiser. Absolutely, <laughs> and that really like that's uh, it, it. It really does spell out the difference between the two movies. This isn't a, a rip off so much as it is like a licensed spin off. Like it's yes. it's the blokier version of Fast and the Furious. Yes, and uh, I mean we uh, we talked a bit about it on the Fast and Furious app last week about how. Um, how much I enjoyed like just how like much of a coming of age and kind of just like rebellious love story the film is but this is the like much more in line with the later sequels which have got that like real boneheaded like outer suburban vibe to them oh 100% and also um it feels a lot like the the later ones in that it's like a fantasy movie too right it's like there's this great sequence where they're riding motorcycles on top of a train chasing Mm -hmm. each other and it's like it almost feels like some of the later fast and the furious in that way too (laughs) yeah it does we get a a final big chase sequence which is the uh, which is some insane cgi like yeah it it feels like it's straight out of a ghost rider movie or something ghost rider meets speed racer like it's almost so stylized that it feels like 2d animation at some points um like it's it's all just cg 3d animation but it just look it's really hard to watch i think it was the one part of the movie that i was like ah damn it this is going to be hard to back up (laughs) 
And then the film wraps up very nicely with uh, ties a bow in itself with the succulent string sound of uh, of Nickelback someday as they literally ride motorcycles into the sunset. Down to sunny Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk production. We do it like this. So we've talked a fair bit about production as well, but it is worth hanging a hat on a hat for this film that this was the first film of Joseph Kahn he we cannot like uh, understate like how much of an impact he's made on the pop culture landscape with his film clips like and he's been doing it for such a long amount of time like the same man that made Adidas by Korn without me by Eminem also made uh, the film clip to Backstreet's Back. Bad Blood by Taylor Swift. Yeah, like, look, that's a that's 20 years between yeah. those two films, those film clips coming out, and he's still just as experimental and just as talented as he was. He never phones it in. No, totally. Like, if you look at the credits for all of his film clips and the film work, as well as the commercials that he's done, like, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, like, as much as I loved the visual style of talk, it did also feel like a commercial the entire time, as we said. Oh, for sure. It looked like a Budweiser commercial. It totally did. But by the same, like, flip of the dime, I also, like, I think I said the first reference it reminded me of was um, Hot Fuzz. It felt like the Edgar Wright, like, super sharp, quick editing. Um, Yeah, shots last about 1.5 seconds in this. Totally. But where, like, you know, let's say in Resident Evil, like, the later Resident Evil movies, it feels like a headache and, like, pretty, like, unwatchable. This felt a lot more well-crafted. It's very cohesive. It very much flows, which is why it's so bizarre that um, Joseph Kahn has so few credits to his name. He's done this. He did a really fun little horror comedy in 2009 by the name of Detention, if you ever want to track it down. And a rap battle film in 2011 called Bodied. But aside from that... He's been attached to a lot of films over the years. He was supposed to do uh, a film version of William Gibson's Neuromancer at one point and also a Justice League film with Swamp Thing as the main character yeah. at one point. He's, I feel like he's like Hype Williams in that he kind of got very burnt out on film, uh, commercial filmmaking during his first attempt after having complete creative control in his field as a music video director i know hype williams has never made a film since belly and like uh, joseph khan's on record for this one as having said that he was trying to make a piss take of the fast and the furious films only to have creative control wrestled away from him. He was He's literally quoted in a slash film as saying he was trying to make a dumb movie for smart people. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, I, f- I get the feeling like, because you see his credits, it's, you know, a couple of movies here and there, like uh, some really fun stuff. And then it's just commercials and film clips, right? And you, you'd have to get the feeling, especially after how much talk was critically panned, that, you know... When you're going into filmmaking and you're like, oh, well, if I do a commercial, all I need to do is like impress the director or impress, oh, sorry, impress the um, 
the company and sell a bunch of Coke cans versus making a movie. You've got to impress the critics. You've got to impress like the, the production audience. company and, and the audience. Um, it's probably easier to sell Pepsi than it is to sell a movie you know, yeah, <laughs> to an absolutely. audience. I wanted to say like one of the things that is like so obvious seeing it played out um in the film is like you know we talked about how it kind of looks like a cartoon and feels like a cartoon and we were watching the special features and it turns out joseph khan actually did the illustrations for the storyboards they look incredible too like he's done these really really well drawn almost mobius style like cartoon uh storyboards that have really like taken it like it, you can tell that the director is a visual artist and that he's trying to take his 2D vision and put it like Oh yeah, on the, film. the storyboards he did for Neuromancer look gorgeous. Crazy, like absolutely out of this world, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it would have been like the best fit for the source material, mm. but I definitely would have seen that movie. Yeah, I'd love to see more commercial artists like this do films like that as well it's all about the like composition you know what I mean like in all of the storyboards he was just like I wanted every single frame to be its own like beautiful composition I thought that was cool and I just don't think that's the future of film at the moment I think what we've got is this kind of more house style version you got the Netflix house style, the Marvel house style, even things like Amazon is starting to develop their own house style. Did you see like um, any of the, uh, what's it called? The trailers for that new Wheel of Time thing? Yeah, man. It doesn't P. look like U. Netflix, but it doesn't look good. <laughs> well, it also just doesn't look like a movie or a TV show. It just doesn't, like, it looks like, dare I say it, content. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it looks like content rather than something that is made to be watched. It's not meant to be watched. It's made to be rewatched or consumed in a quick amount of time and screenshotted. Like the the way that films are made now, like is the same kind of like slow death that happened to print media where or and digital um, news channels and stuff where they're like, oh, we've got to like. Um, make something that pisses people off because clicks generate more money than the film we're making ever will. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> the um, film itself was shelved for a year before its release. So this is actually more of a 2003 film than anything. Mm. So it's smack bang in the new metal era. But like we've talked about before, this is like straddling another era entirely. This is the... This film is the crossover point between the new metal era and the bootcut jeans era. 100%. Yeah, this is like the birth of Nickelback and God, it's beautiful. Which is why this is the perfect time to talk about the soundtrack. <laughs> so the soundtrack itself, we get Industry Plants Monster Magnet. You know we've talked about these guys before. Like, no one you know actually owns a Monster Magnet CD, and yet they've somehow managed to make their way into, I think, maybe four or five of the films we've covered on this. Oh, like, yeah. They literally appear in this film. Yeah, someone's as- dad works in the building. <laughs> <laughs> Along for the ride as well, we've got Static X uh, with Push It during an amazing fight scene. 
Uh, R.I.P. Wayne Static, Gone But Not Forgotten. Uh, we get a lot of um, kind of like uh, pop punk in this as well, but more of the like kind of like street punkier version of pop punk with some MXPX and Pennywise. Uh, lap dance by Nerd, their brief flirtation with new metal they did. Yeah. We'll drop a little play of that here. When was the last time you heard this track? Coming out now, quick on the draw. Something you never seen before. And I get a motherfucker to come in my face. I got something wrong. I got something closes with Someday by Nickelback which was their big follow-up single to How You Remind Me off their second album The Long Road which really kind of put this kind of like country Americana twang onto their existing kind of post-grunge sound and was really trying to capture this new style of consumer that was really had really popped up in the marketplace you're like not quite it was like the son of the good old boy the son of the redneck like Mm -hmm. you know that old replacement song they've got no war to name us (laughs) like uh that kind of thing the bastards of young and i feel like that nickelback get hated on so much but they were one of the most successful bands of this era weren't they yeah we were both singing along to someday yeah, at the end I, of the song it's I know pretty every funny single word to how you remind me yeah man i mean i think i was listening to the radio like a few years ago and they came on and then they were interviewed and they were talking about how Nickelback's success isn't in CD sales, but it's been in radio plays like over the years because they've been like just a ubiquitous part of radio culture. They're on every single radio station, um, you know, sans like the kind of local radio station, but like the golden oldies play Nickelback. I think if 4ZZZ or FBI wanted to maybe boost their listenership, (laughs) maybe drop a little bit of... Yeah. Photograph. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, they're just like a, a ubiquitous part of listening to the radio now, and it's um, what made them their millions. A handful of guys from Canada, Alberta, like oh. rural Canada, just aping this style of like fake Americana. Like, but I, I read an article about them recently that said that. Uh, it, they were so convincing that they were the like the blue collar dudes that they managed to become the sound of the USA. Ain't it the way? Phoebe, I believe you uh have found us something to read for this one yes i do so this is a quote from roger ebert in japan animation is not seen as the exclusive realm of children's and family films but is often used for adult science fiction and action stories where it allows for a kind of freedom uh, impossible in real life some hollywood films strain so desperately against the constraints of the possible that you wish they'd just cave in and have gone with animation. Talk is a great example. 
Would you agree with this one here? Absolutely. This film is larger than life. It really does feel like a cartoon in the way that Speed Racer felt like a cartoon. Yeah, I got to say, it, it's weirdly... <laughs> I'm going to regret saying this, but I think this is one of the first movies in a long time that I haven't just been like reaching for my phone the entire time to like check Instagram. I'm like, this was actually really fun and engaging to watch even though it is simultaneously one of the stupidest movies it's i've so ever watched dumb, but it's butt-headed no point, yeah at no point was it ever a chore to watch uh, it was a visual feast i genuinely think that people would enjoy giving it a go if they've always been told that it's kind of diet pepsi you know fast and the furious i think it's actually kind of on par like yeah. in visual style and you know in um i don't know like butt rock fun so phoebe do you believe the authority has it i do the Fuck authority yeah. has it <laughs> which brings us to our bodies hit the floor score the bodies hit the floor score the bodies hit the floor score phoebe expand upon what you were saying just 30 seconds before before i cut you off <laughs> uh with your bodies hit the floor score well so this is a bit of an interesting one shawnee because i'm kind of torn um, so when I first You're saw... You're all out of faith. I am. This is how Lying I feel. Naked on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the first time I saw this movie, the year was 2004. My parents let me go stay over at my friend Jessica's house. My parents never normally let me go stay over at anyone's house. Um, I was a bit of like an indoor child, let's say. Um, and I went over and slept over at my friend Jessica's. We went out to the movies... We went and saw a little film called Talk. I didn't know this was ever released in cinemas. This yeah. screams straight to DVD. We to saw it at Indrapilly Shopping Center. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> Golden <laughs> Palace. Uh-huh. And I remember this night so specifically because we had like the best time ever. I was like, oh my God, my parents are letting me have freedoms. I'm allowed to go see friends. I went and see, saw a movie. I'm like a metropolitan adult, <laughs> you know, like living it up. Eat I'm, your heart out, Seinfeld. Yeah, that's it. Um, and I'm like, I come home on an absolute high. I'm like, this is it. I'm going from child to preteen. I'm growing up. I'm going out on my own. I walk into the house. My parents are sitting down in the living room and they go, Phoebe, we're getting a divorce. Oh! <laughs> oh <my God>! What? <laughs> No, really? Yes. Did you know that coming into watching this at my house today? Yes. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so this movie I associate explicitly with the death of my parents' love. <laughs> In the following five years of like teenage emo depression and shit. And st so this happened, it came out like two weeks before I started high school. Fuck um, me. And that was when I saw it and my parents split up and then I went to high school. And if we're talking about talk being like the sunset of one um, era and the sunrise of another, I feel like when I was like a young kid 
I was like heaps into new metal and heaps into like that rap rock like music and you know fashion style and stuff and then after talk and after my parents splitting up I was like nah I'm evil now (laughs) (laughs) and I was like getting into punk like the Ramones like you know Metallica and shit like wearing heaps of like dark eyeliner I wanted to like wear Ed Hardy but we couldn't afford it um so like it kind of there there's some sort of like synchronicity happening here with the themes yeah so what three bodies <laughs> you know what I I thought watching this I'd have some kind of like emotional event but like it was actually uh the most fun I've had watching a movie in a really long time I'm giving it four baby nice yeah okay uh, for me, I have no emotional attachment to this film whatsoever. <laughs> I bought the DVD of this at a library closing down sale in the year 2020. <laughs> Three and a half bodies hitting the floor. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Phoebe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, do you have anything to spruik? I know you do. Oh, um, well, thank you so much for having me, Shawnee. I always have so much fun coming on here. I have a new podcast um, that has just launched last week. Uh, it's called Don't Worry, It's Not Just You. And it is a podcast that I have not nailed down the elevator pitch for this at all. But it's, it's a podcast it's that... It's the trials and tribulations of freelancing, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. It's like the uh, cold hard truths of living in a world that's swallowed up by the gig economy and how every single person you know is trying to make it in some way with like a personal brand or a small business or an e-commerce platform or something like that. I love it. It's an absolute hoot. You guys should check it out. You can find it wherever good podcasts are found. Hell yeah. First episode features the DJ Lethal of Take a Look Around, (laughs) Sam McKenzie. Scorpion millionaire, baby. (laughs) You've got some more eps coming out soon. It's going to be an absolute hoot. Yep, second episode drops next week. Oh, perfect. This will be perfect timing for that one then because you guys will all be hitting the subscribe button. Yeah, you will. (laughs) Now, Phoebe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Let's ride out into the sunset with the only song that we could ride out into the sunset with. Someday by Nickelback. So, uh, so